I wonder if anybody has ever been out on a date and, uh, and you were present, uh, like in body, but perhaps your mind was far away. Nobody know you're either you're not willing to admit that or you're actually far away right now. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back. You're in church. <laughs> you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that, uh, that my wife knows what that's all about because sometimes I've been out there and, and I've, I've tried to be present, but I'm, I'm so pulled in so many directions that I'm not able to be present in the moment with her. And, you know, that, that's kind of stinky, you know, it, it's, it's kind of rough whenever, whenever you're on a date with somebody, but they're, they didn't show up. And, and I know before you judge me, I know I'm trying to be better at that, you know, <laughs> um, but, but it can, it can be kind of hard whenever, well, I mean, you can make up excuses as you go. I've got mine. All right. My excuse is that we have four children all under 10, 10, eight, uh, three and one. And the other day I'm watching the little boys, the three-year-old and the one-year-old, and they like to talk, but they don't say a whole lot. You know what I mean? It, they're just kind of babbling. They're just making noise with their mouth. Every now and then they're going to say something, but whenever they say it, they, they repeat it about five times because they're just so proud of themselves that they can say something. And so, but as a dad, I always wondered, I was trying to figure out how, like, I, I could talk to my dad, like, right there looking at him in his eyes, and it would just whoosh, go right, right over him. I was like, man, what is going on? And then I became a dad, and I figured it out. It just right over me. And, and every now and then, Claudia says, hey, your children are talking to you. Pay attention. And, and so I was watching my kids, and, and they, they were just kind of talking, and we were coexisting. I wasn't exactly interacting with them. They weren't interacting with me. We were just all coexisting. And then my wife, Claudia, comes home, and that, she, she wants a little bit more than just coexistence, if you know what I mean, right? And, and I had a little bit of a hard time like warming up to conversation and, and actually engaging my mind to be with her. And, and I want to do better. I, my family deserves my presence. Your family, your relationships deserve at the very least, the minimum requirement is you. And so it makes it difficult to have a relationship with somebody that is physically present, but emotionally and, and, and everything else absent from the relationship. But you know what? That kind of happens with our relationship with God, doesn't it? You know, if you really think about it, we can be present in church we, we can be here, we can show up, we can get the kids ready, we can get out the door, we can get in the car, we can swing by and grab something to eat, we can get here, then we can get our extra breakfast with a donut and a coffee. We can shake hands, we can hug necks, and we can, we can be present in worship. We can sit down, we can listen to somebody preach. But something didn't connect. It didn't happen. And that happens with me sometimes. And I, I sit there and I wonder sometimes, what's, what's wrong with me? And I'm willing to believe that there might be, be 
people in this room that maybe even today you've, you've had this amazing experience with God. You got saved and God came in in a powerful way and changed your life and you gave everything over to him. It was completely life-changing. But then you sing the same songs and you pray the same prayers and you do the same things and the next time there's a disconnect. A lack of engagement, and you wonder, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with me? See, let me ask you a question this morning. When, when was the last time you had a, a genuine, authentic experience with God? When was the last time that you engaged God in worship, and you knew you could walk away saying that we... I was with God today. I hope and I pray that that was today. But there are times in our lives where we go through these motions, we go about our business, and that genuine encounter doesn't happen like we would want it to. And so today I want us to know what worship is, how we can worship God in reality and in His presence, the ingredients of worship, and, and then we're going to walk away knowing some things to do about it. Amen? Amen. So let's just take a moment to understand what worship is, starting with a brief history of it. The word worship comes from a, an old English word, worth-ship. Or assigning value to, um, uh, to something, the worth of something. This word describes actions and attitudes that esteem and, uh, and honor the worthiness of God and express awe and adoration to him. How many of you know that if you want to evaluate God, if you want to give him value, then he's worth it? Amen. He is worthy. He's worthy whether we decide he's worthy in our lives or not. And so as we worship, it's our moment of recognizing his worth in our lives. True worship is, is centered around God, not us. So when we come to worship Jesus, we, we should be responding to him with gratitude for who he is and what he's done in our lives. So, you know, worship has happened all through history, even from the very first people, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. That's a different, that's a different message, excuse me. Get back to my nose. Adam and Eve, you know, they enjoyed a relationship with God they walked with him. They spoke with him. It was an intimate relationship where they connected with the creator. And then, and then their sons, Cain and Abel, they brought God offerings. And they enjoyed his presence. Then there was Seth and his descendants all enjoyed worshiping God. Noah, 
He went around and he made an, an altar unto the Lord and worshiped him with an altar. And then there's Abraham. And he went around the region that we now know, uh, know as Israel. And he set up altars all throughout that region, worshiping God. And that region is what turned into the promised land that, that God let them in. By the way, Israel has been around for a lot longer than some people think it has been. That's a different sermon as well. And once the nation of Israel was established, then there, were, there was the temple in Jerusalem that was established for the worship of God, for, uh, for uh, sacrifices and for prayer. That was the house of the Lord. It was, there was a tabernacle before that in Exodus. After they, they left the Israel, it was a mobile temple. And that's where worship happened. That's where the presence or the Shekinah glory of God fell on them. And now, after 70 AD, whenever the temple fell in Jerusalem, uh, Christians spread out. They ran for their lives, and with them they took their faith, and they began to celebrate Christ and worship Him in house churches and in public squares and in churches that they built. And that's, that's where we are now. Now we, we have worship services wherever you go and whatever you do, you can worship right there because worship is not connected to a place. Worship is not connected to Christ's legacy as in this physical place. Worship is connected to our hearts and our lives. And the, the, the way that we love Christ, the way that we recognize God in our lives. So with, you, uh, with me, turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 8. And I'm going to take you to the greatest revival that the Old Testament has ever recorded. Nehemiah chapter 8. If you'd like to, you can follow us along with the, in the Bible app. Um, you just click on your menu, go to events, and if your location services are connected and up to date, then you can open up the map and click right there on Christ's legacy, and it's going to give you lots of, of announcements and, and helpful links, but it's going to give you the scripture verses with this message, the outline, and also some discussion questions so that you can go home and better apply this message to your life. So as you're turning there, I want to I want to help us to understand today where worship comes from. Worship comes from a place of our love. Turn around to somebody and say, our love. It better have been to your spouse. Otherwise, it's going to be a quiet ride home. <laughs> See, I remember what it was like whenever I first started dating my wife. Um, we, have, um, we have been dating since 2002, and it, was, it has been a wonderful time. I've got I've to admit to you, uh, when we started dating, we fell in love very early on. We were in high school. I really believe it was love. It was not just infatuation because we actually really just enjoyed being together, talking on the phone, going out on dates. We could make anything a date. As a matter of fact, there were a couple times where I remember that I was running late. 
Uh, and, uh, and I wasn't with Claudia. I was running on my way home and I was supposed to be at my house at a certain time. Cause you know, you, you got to live with your parents and they put times on you and parents. That's a good thing. Keep on holding your kids accountable. Somebody said, amen. With that. <laughs> um, that's going to be a prayer service later on. Um, but then I only had, I had 15 minutes to get up to Claudia. I spent 10 minutes with her and I had 15 minutes to get back home and it was worth it. It was worth it because somehow just connecting with her, going out of my way just to connect with her meant the world to me. It just made my life better. Now we enjoyed the company of each other. But then there's now, right? And even though we still enjoy each other's company, even though we still enjoy going out on dates, we've got four kids. <laughs> and somehow that relationship has changed. Not our love for each other, not our commitment to one another, but our availability has changed, has shifted somewhat because of the new responsibilities. And so we try to go out. We, we can't sneak out like we used to, but we can, we can go out on family dates and spend time with each other. We can, we can do all sorts of things to try to connect with each other, even though that we have these little bitty ones that really need a lot of attention. Have I said that yet? <laughs> but, but what do you think that life would be like for our relationship if we just turned that into a checkbox? What do you think it would be if, if we said, well, because of our availability, we're, we're just going to make sure that we do all the things that we know we're supposed to, but really we're not going to be as interested in, in actually connecting and engaging each other. What if it was just all right for me just to show up, but not to check in? You see, many relationships do that, and, and maybe it's okay for a little while, but eventually, instead of love, bitterness and resentment grow into the relationship. And you begin to look to meet the need of connection and relationship in other places. And so you engage more in your work or you engage more in, in other relationships that are unhealthy or you, or you find addictions or all this horrible stuff because you chose to engage with something besides the one that you're supposed to engage with. And the truth of the matter is this that Claudia wouldn't put up with it. And I wouldn't put up with it. But there are times in our lives where we allow that same thing to happen in our relationship with Christ. That we show up, we turn our Christian relationship into a, a checklist where we've gone to church and we've read our Bible and we've said the prayer and we did what we were supposed to do and that was good enough. And we're not engaging with God in a real and genuine way. See, when we worship, we come with one agenda and one agenda only. There is only one box and that is to connect with God. And can I tell you that God also comes with one agenda 
And that is to connect with us. See, Israel had this history of getting close to God and worshiping him. And then they enjoyed the favor of his presence. And then their relationship turned lax. And they didn't, they didn't sustain that relationship, that connection. And then things started to slip away. They began to pick up idolatry. And when they picked up idolatry, they lost God's favor. And then they wound up in a place that they didn't want to be in. It was just this horrible cycle of getting close and falling away and getting close and falling away. And here in Nehemiah chapter 8, we find that we are right now with Israel at the very bottom of the cycle where they have gotten close to God and they've fallen away so much so that everything in the nation feels like it's falling apart. But then Ezra the priest read aloud the law of Moses. And that's where we pick up in Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 5 and 6. It says, Ezra stood on a platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Ezra is about to read the law of Moses. They stood to their feet in honor of reading the word. Then Ezra prayed the, uh, prayed the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen and Amen. Let me stop right there and say this. Amen is a, is a, is a sign of agreement. It means so be it. Right there, right then, they're agreeing and they're dedicating themselves to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as they lifted their hands, the Bible says, then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their face to the ground. They were repenting of their sin because as Ezra read the law of Moses, they realized how far away from God that they've fallen. And they were so filled with Regret, remorse, that they bowed down and they put their face in the ground as they worship him. Later on in this passage, it describes them crying aloud, lamenting over what they had done. Over what they had done. In this moment, this is the greatest revival in the Old Testament when all of the people came back to Christ or to God. See, worship happens when we remember two things, who God is and who we are in him. Many of us pray for miracles. We come to the Lord. We ask God to do something in our lives, and we realize that we look around and we don't see him at work. And we say, what? what's wrong? What's going on? But the greatest miracle is not God coming in and physically healing you. The greatest miracle is not God coming in and, and providing a job or, 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 uh, or changing a situation or a circumstance. The greatest miracle is that God saved us. That God redeemed us and he changed us from the inside out. That's the greatest miracle. And when we remember the miracle that God has performed in our lives, it should create an attitude of gratitude that we live back and we give back to the Lord for all that he's done and all that he is for us. The second thing is his presence. Do you remember what it was like to, to get ready to go out on a date? Anybody remember what that was like? I hope you do. It should have been pretty recently, hopefully. If not, Valentine's Day is coming up. 
We'd, we'd get ready, we'd take a shower, we'd, put, we'd lay out some nice clothes, make sure that they're looking nice and fresh. We'd, uh, we'd shave, we'd do all the stuff to get ready. We'd put on the cologne or, or, uh, or, or perfume or at least deodorant. Come on, help me. <laughs> and, and we'd make the arrangements and we'd, we'd uh, make the reservations and we'd have the, everything set out. And then when we showed up, maybe we'd even have the car clean. We showed up, and it was ready to go out on a date, and we wanted to put our best foot forward. And then you get married, and then you see the before and after of getting ready. <laughs> and the relationship changes a little. But how many of you know that you can love somebody in a deeper, more profound way in that moment? Because everything that you do, everything that you are, are trying to do is not to, not to just, uh, 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 not, not just to connect with that person, but to connect with them spiritually and, and, uh, and in your personalities as well. And so we welcome that time to, to go out on that date. See, the reality is, is that, that your commitment hasn't changed, but your availability has changed. Uh, it, it, it's limited because our lives have filled up with uh, additional responsibilities. But it doesn't mean that you stop trying. It doesn't mean that you forsake one another. It means that you have to be more intentional with your time. You try to, you try to connect on purpose. You see, the Bible tells us that God is everywhere. And I'm thankful that God is everywhere, but I, I don't always walk around with this awareness that God is everywhere all the time. Psalm 139 verse 8 tells us, if I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. See, no matter where I go, God is already there. And I am thankful of the reality of God's presence being everywhere. But I got to admit to you, I can be blind to that. But you see, God promises to manifest his presence in a special way when we worship. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20 tells us for, and this is Jesus, for where two or three are... Uh, gather together as my followers, I am there among them. How many of you are thankful for that promise? And so what can be kind of confusing is if God is already everywhere in his om omnipresence, but why did Jesus make a promise that he would be there if two or three are gathered together in his name? Wasn't he already there? And so the only logical conclusion that we can come up with is that, is that Jesus is talking about a different manifestation of his presence among his people. You see, there are moments in time, even though that God is everywhere, that God shows up. That God shows up. Luke chapter 5, 17, we find this moment where Jesus heals the paralytic man. And I want you to listen on purpose as I read this passage of Scripture. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from everywhere in the uh, every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. 
And listen to this last sentence. Listen to what it says. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Jesus was present. He was teaching. He was speaking. The Lord of life and love stood before these people. And they heard him. They saw him. He was present among them. But the author, Luke, looks out and he records something different about that moment. Something was not an ordinary presence. The healing power of God was present with Jesus. You see, there are times in our lives where we know that God is present, but God shows up. In a big way. Luke 5, 26. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Jesus healed that paralytic man. And what happened? They saw it with their eyes. And they realized they had a manifestation of God's presence among them. And they were gripped they were gripped with wonder and awe. It, it was not just God's presence. It was his revealed manifestation of his presence among his people doing stuff. And they walked away changed because of it. See, even though you and I walk into a service together and we know because the Bible tells us that God is present... Or perhaps we fall on our knees in our bedroom next to our bed and we know that God can hear our prayer. Perhaps you and I should be praying that his presence would be manifest in our life. That we could feel a difference, a change, because his healing virtue showed up on the scene. Thirdly, what we need... Just yesterday, Claudia asked me what I wanted for, for Valentine's Day. This is a fun little game that we play. What do you need? I don't know. I don't need anything. And then I ask her what she needs, and she, she always knows exactly what she'd like. She, I mean, she's very clear-minded, but, but the problem is, is, that, is that it's up to us to try to figure out, you know, what would actually be a, a good gift to give to others, or to, to give to one another. And we have to depend on our knowledge of the person, of our, of our love, and show a gift of sincerity. You don't have to spend a lot of money, guys. I, I, I've got to tell you, you know, uh, you know, flowers, cards, candy, dinner, uh, maybe a coupon book, something like that. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money, but it goes a long way. And I, I've got to be honest with you. I have not always nailed this, okay? <laughs> Valentine's Day haven't always happened in a right way at the Elliott House. I haven't always uh, done what I was supposed to do. So as your pastor, it's a challenge for me. But I want to tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it to engage. It's worth it to try. But I want to ask you a question. If you could ask God to do anything in your life, if you could ask God to give you anything in your life, what would it be? What would it be? Moses had just that opportunity to ask God for something in his life. And he made two requests. The first request 
was that he wanted to know God more. He wanted a passion for God. Exodus chapter 33, verse 13. If it is true that you look favorably on me, Moses is saying to God, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. Moses' first request that he could ask anything of God was to know God better. Not so that he could become a, a, a better Bible scholar, not so that he could know more, simply because he wanted to engage God in a deep way so that he could continue to have God's favor in his life. Would that be your prayer? To know God more? I'm not saying it's not good to ask God to heal us or to give us favor, to give us blessings. But there's something different about asking to know God more. What kind of relationship do you want from God? Do you want, him, do you want to know him? Not so that you can get something out of him, not so that you can turn the relationship into a transactional kind of love, but so you can, so you can please him. That's a challenge. Let's be a church that doesn't just know about God. Let's be a church that walks and talks with God. Amen. Let's be a people that enjoys his relationship. The second thing that Moses asked for was in Exodus thirty-three eighteen. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. Your glorious presence. This... Glory, show me your glory. That's a, that's a Hebrew word, kabod. And it means this. God's honor, renown, majesty, weight, and his visible splendor is very related to the idea of show me your face. Show me your face. You see, in this moment, Moses... He had a relationship with God. He was speaking to God. He was interacting with God in a way that no one did. But Moses wanting something, wanted something more. He wanted to be with God face to face. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you know that God was there, you know that his presence filled your life? But you wanted something. You needed something more. You wanted face-to-face -to -face time. You wanted some glory time. You wanted some time where you knew that you could walk away knowing that God was there with you in a real, real way. See, when you come to church, is it just doing business as usual? Are we going through the motions? You see, going through the motions makes it easier for us. But as we do it over and over again, there is no surprise. There's no visitation. There's no genuine, authentic encounter with the holy and living God. And I got to tell you, family, friends, it's not because he's gone somewhere. What kind of relationship do you want?
What kind of encounter, what kind of presence do you want? We don't want just to be passionate about God. We want to have an encounter with him. This encounter, this sense of God's supernatural presence transforms worship from duty to devotion, from ritual to relationship, from just another meeting to a holy gathering. God is attendance, and we are in attendance. So I want to be a church that knows not just who God is, but that we know God in an intimate kind of way. So I want to give you four things that you and I can do to ensure that we're not just going through the motions, but we're actually engaging and connecting with a holy God. Number one, show up and expect him to show up. Show up and expect him to show up. When you come to church, expect God to be present and move in this atmosphere. When you kneel before him in your room, expect God to be present and move in your life. Expect him to speak. Expect him to heal. Expect him to do a work in us because I got news for you. It's not normal for the creator of all of heaven to have a relationship with us. Normal is to live in sin. So every encounter that you and I have is supernatural. Every moment that we have with God is special and is an act of worship. Secondly, listen for him. Listen for him. Many times we go into a practice of prayer and we tell God the things that we want to say to him. But how often do you stop and listen for what he wants to say to you. We ask God for us to, for him to speak, but we don't give him any time for him to speak to us. It's a, listening is a moment of discipline. If you go out on a date with a, your special someone with your spouse, and all you do is talk, and then you drop them back off, you're not going again. Take a moment and have an intimate relationship with God where you listen on purpose. Third, be open to him. Be open to him. Many times we limit God because we don't allow God's space to move in our lives. We come to him with the answers that we want, not with our need. You see, the Bible tells us to come and give him our anxieties, give him our burdens. It says, cast all your cares on me. But the Bible doesn't say to come to God with a suggested answer. To come to God and help him work things out for you. Be open to what he wants to do in your life. And finally, be sensitive to him and his spirit. 
You know, God may move in a powerful way on your life, but God also wants to be, to be able to move through you. For you to utilize the gifts of, your, of the Spirit in your life. For you to speak with boldness, to witness, to love, to serve, to work as elements and acts of worship where His presence can be known through you. So whenever you walk through the doors of the church and you shake somebody's hand, God's presence ought to be there because you were there. You see, church, I want to tell you that you've heard a lot of people say, maybe in the past, that they've tried church and it really wasn't for them. Maybe you've heard somebody say that they've read the Bible and it's a good book, but it really doesn't affect their life. Anybody ever heard that before? But I want to tell you this morning, I have never heard somebody say that I've encountered the presence of an almighty God and I walked away the same. The thing that we want, the thing that we need the thing that we're looking for is his presence in our lives. Would you stand all over this place with me? Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never encountered the presence of an almighty God. Maybe you know his word. Maybe you've heard about him. Maybe you've gone to church all your life, but you have never experienced a powerful move of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the Lord right now is moving on your heart, drawing you into a relationship with God. He can do that. Remember like the Israelites and Ezra, they, they realized that their life didn't match the law and they're filled with grief. Right now, perhaps the Holy Spirit is showing you areas of your life that you're far away from the Lord. And it's time to come back to Him and get right with Him so that you can have a real relationship. That's what God wants. That's what you need. I'm going to pray over you right now. Heavenly Father, I love you. And I thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit is going through this place, Lord, touching each and every heart and life. Your presence is real, and I pray that you would make your presence manifest in us and through us this morning. Lord, draw people's hearts and lives close to you. Hallelujah. With your head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you're here this morning and say, Pastor John, I need to renew my relationship with Christ or I want to start one. If that's you, I want you to simply slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Looking all around. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Wow. Thank you. Yes, I see you. Looking all around. One more moment. Praise God. There have been many hands raised this morning. Now, perhaps you're here this morning and you really just want an experience with Him. You got saved at youth camp, you got saved one day at the altar, and your life has never been the same.
but it's been too long since you've had a moment with him where you walked away knowing that he showed up and you're ready to make a commitment that says, I'm going to do my part to facilitate the manifest presence of God Almighty. If that's you, would you just lift your hands? If you're here this morning and say, Pastor John, I want to make a commitment right now. I'm going to commit to expecting him. I'm going to, I'm going to commit to listening for him, to being open to him, to being sensitive to him. It would be my hope and my prayer that each and every one of us makes that commitment. Right now, I'm going to pray for those hands that were lifted. I'm going to pray for each and every one of us to make that commitment. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, for your love. I thank you, Lord, for those hands that were raised. I thank you, Jesus, Lord, for those hands, Lord, raised signifying salvation occurring in hearts and lives this morning. Jesus, let us come close to you. Let us know you in such a deep and an abiding way, Lord, that it changes who we are. Lord, let us experience your presence as your people. And Lord, I pray, God, for those of us that have known your presence, Lord, let us fan the flames of passion once again in our life so that we can walk away knowing that we know that we know not only that we are saved, but we've been with you. We love you and we praise you. Now, Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us be a church. Help us be a people, Lord, that helps others find you, that gives hope, and that does life together. We give you the praise and glory, for it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Would you just give the Lord some glory right now? He's worthy. He's worthy. I want to be a church that comes expecting God's presence. Amen. Let's expect God's presence everywhere we go. God bless you this morning.